Hi, this is Joel Rosenberg with another podcast. Today, February 11th, 2014, marks the 35th anniversary of the Islamic Revolution. Uh, But there are now three revolutions underway in the Islamic world. Let me explain. Today, of course, uh, all throughout Iran, hundreds of thousands of Iranians are turning out on the streets to mark the occasion of this 35th anniversary of the Islamic Revolution. Uh, the fall of the Shah of Iran, the rise of the Ayatollah Khomeini, um, the taking over of the American embassy in Tehran, holding American diplomats hostage for 444 days. This was the beginning of something quite dramatic and sweeping. Iran in 1979 shifted from a friend and ally of the United States, and even quietly a friend of Israel, to a, a radical enemy, a, a serious threat to the United States um, that has become actually more serious over time. In the blog uh, that I describe um, uh, on my weblog, um, in the article I write, uh, as well as in my book, which was called Inside the Revolution, uh, it came out in 2009, a nonfiction book, I talk about what happened in 1979 and, and, and why, who Khomeini was, why he did what he did, and uh, I kind of walk through uh, those key moments and, uh, and the effect that it had in the region. But one thing that's important to know is that, uh, again, uh, as I describe in the book Inside the Revolution, that the threat from Iran has actually grown over time. In the grand scheme, uh, the taking of our embassy and the hostages was humiliating, uh, but, of course, those hostages weren't killed. They were ultimately released. But Iran has supported uh, terrorist actions over time in Beirut, in the Marine bombing, uh, Marine barracks bombing of 1983 that killed hundreds of Americans. Uh, the Kobar Towers bombing also killed Americans in Saudi Arabia. Uh, we have seen Iran fund, support, train, encourage uh, terror organizations that have killed Americans, Israelis, Europeans, Arabs, and others over the years. And of course now Iran is actively trying to develop a nuclear weapons program and threatening to destroy not only the United States but to wipe Israel off the map. But for all the attention that the Islamic Revolution in Iran has received over the years, it is important, I believe, to understand it in its fuller context. And again, in the, my 2009 nonfiction book, which was called Inside the Revolution, Why the Followers of Jefferson, uh, G, sorry, Why the Followers of Jihad, Jefferson, and Jesus are battling to dominate the Middle East and take over the world, I explained that there is not simply one revolution going on in the Islamic world today. Today there are three revolutions competing for the hearts and minds of some 1.5 billion people. Uh, Let's take a quick uh, snapshot of who they are. Um, First, there are the radicals, there are the reformers, and then there are the revivalists. Now, the radicalists are extremist Muslims. Uh, They want to overthrow every regime from North Africa to the Middle East to Central Asia. They want to replace these regimes uh, with Islamist dictatorships who believe that, and this is the key phrase, Islam is the answer and jihad, holy war, is the way. Uh, obviously, we're seeing this uh, in Iran. The, uh, the Ayatollah Khomeini helped overthrow the somewhat moderate um, 
Shah of Iran. He was pro-Western. He was even pro-Israel uh, to a degree. And uh, and the radical forces overthrew the Shah, uh, Pahlavi, in 1979, drove him out of the country, and then in, imposed Sharia law and this Islamic Republic. And uh, today, of course, uh, Khomeini has, has passed away back in 1989. Uh, Iran is currently led by the Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, who was a, a, an aide, a colleague of Khomeini. Khamenei is far and away the key Shia leader of the radicals. He is actively engaged in repressing his people. He's the leading state sponsor of terrorism. And as I mentioned, actively engaged in advancing a nuclear weapons program. Yet all the while uh, trying to beguile world leaders into thinking that his regime is really not so dangerous after all. Other radicals over the over the years, of course, been uh, the uh, Osama bin Laden, uh, the current leader of Al Qaeda, uh, Zawahiri, uh, the leaders of Al Qaeda in Iraq uh, like Zarqawi and others. Um, both there have been Shia um, Islamic radicals. There are Sunni Islamic radicals. And they include such groups as you're aware of, Al-Qaeda, Iranian Twelvers, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood, Hamas, Hezbollah, and the like. At the moment, for example, there are some 30,000 radical jihadists operating in Syria trying to destroy the Assad regime and, and create an Islamist state. And other radical groups like Al-Qaeda and the Muslim Brotherhood and, and so forth are, have been actively trying to bring down moderate Arab, Arab regimes. Uh, I think the key Arab country that's right now uh, in danger and uh, be a focal point of the jihadists uh, would be the Hashemite kingdom in Jordan. So those are the radicals. They, want, they, they believe that Islam is the answer and jihad is the way. But there are also the reformers. Now, who are the reformers? The reformers are moderate Muslims. They, yeah, Islam is the answer, but jihad. Now, we need more freedom. We need more openness, more protection of human rights, civil rights. We need free elections. We need free markets. Some even advocate the creation of full-blown Jeffersonian democracies, if at all possible. Now, uh, not every reformer uh, wants the same thing, but they, what they don't want is, is radical extremism. Uh, they want some form of a, a moderate, stable, uh, peaceful, and an uh, and open society uh, where, uh, where people have more freedom to operate and even choose their, their, their leaders. We have seen historically uh, people like Kamal Mustafa Ataturk, who, of course, after the fall of the Ottoman Empire in the 1920s, after World War I, uh, founded the modern democratic uh, country of Turkey. Uh, sadly, Turkey is now moving away from the Ataturk model of, of liberalism, of open uh, democratic uh, uh, approach, but uh, Turkey has been the model for uh, the better part of the last century. Uh, Egypt's late President Anwar Sadat was a reformer, now, he, he didn't really advocate democracy uh, in his day, but he did make peace with Israel and wanted to move Egypt away from the radicalism of, uh, of his uh, predecessors. Uh, of course, <clears throat> Sadat was eventually uh, assassinated by radicals uh, because of his reformist approach. Jordan's late King Hussein 
was one of the great original reformers of the 20th century. He, he did make peace with Israel. He initiated a democratically elected parliament. He retained his authority as a monarch, but he would begin to open his kingdom uh, to a, a moderate, peaceful, uh, democratic uh, direction. Uh, Jordan's king, uh, current king, uh, King Abdullah, uh, who actually is in Washington today for meetings and will be meeting with the president later this week, has been a really impressive uh, reformer. Perfect, no, uh, but definitely impressive. He's been moving, uh, he's been waging a fierce and focused battle against radical Islamic extremists, uh, and he's been, he's been advancing his father's political and economic reforms incrementally, and in some ways I think even better uh, than his father, though obviously he needed his father's base of reform to, uh, to, to build upon. And I've also been impressed, as I, as I mentioned in the book, with Morocco's King Mohammed VI, who has also fought against radical extremism um, and has been trying to advance a, a more moderate and, and, and peaceful uh, and reformed uh, approach uh, to Islam and to the Arab world. So those are the radicals. The radicals believe that Islam is the answer and jihad, holy war, is the way. The reformers say, yes, Islam is the answer, but jihad is not the way. We need more freedom, more openness, um, um, even democracy. Then there is a third revolutionary movement in the Islamic world, and it is less known than these other two. It's what I call the revivalists. Now, the revivalists are former Muslims. Uh, they had been Muslims, uh, some of them had been radical Muslims, but they've left Islam. And they, their motto, in a sense, is Islam is not the answer. Jihad, holy war, is not the way. Jesus is the way. And they make uh, the case that the only way for their part of the world to move forward and to make real and lasting social, economic, and spiritual progress is to skip back in their history before Islam and revive what they once had, first century, New Testament, biblical Christianity. Now, these followers of Jesus Christ in the Islamic world tend to be apolitical. They're not trying to advance a political revolution, but rather a spiritual revolution. Uh, the revivalists are focused on evangelism, discipleship, church planting, pastor training, and spiritual renewal. Uh, they use dual strategies, an air war and a ground war. Uh, in the book Inside the Revolution, I describe in the third section of the book on the revivalists uh, this air war, which includes satellite television, radio, and the internet broadcasting of the gospel and Bible teaching. And then the ground war, uh, is, uh, as I describe in the book, is uh, the house church movement sort of boots on the ground, actual Arab believers uh, and uh, believers of in, in, in Iran and, and other ethnic groups that are making disciples, that are training people, helping people grow in their faith, pastoring churches. Uh, and so it, this is sort of a, a dual strategy using the air war and the ground war. And over time, the revivalists have seen their numbers swell into the millions since 1979, uh, despite widespread and recently intensifying persecution. Now, in the book, I uh, profile a number of these revivalist leaders, most of whom are not known by name in the West. Now, these are the, th these are the three revolutionary forces in the region. Uh, they are pushing for dramatic, sweeping change. Radicals, reformers, and revivalists. 
Uh, there are other important players that I mentioned in the blog and in the book. I won't go into detail with them here, but just to mention them, the Resistors, the Reticent, and the Rank and File. And I would encourage you to, uh, on this, uh, this day, this week of the 35th anniversary of the Islamic Revolution, uh, beginning in Iran and spreading throughout the region, I would encourage you to spend some time with the blog and, and, and with the book. We also did a documentary film, Inside the Revolution, uh, that's available, and an audio book. And I, these are ways for you to better understand what is happening. What is the dynamic uh, that we face today, 35 years after the Islamic Revolution? Because there is not just one revolution currently in the Islamic world. There are three. Thanks for listening. I'm Joel Rosenberg.